Yo, we're the Dandelions, and this is a verbal free write about how three-piece suits became counterculture, the politics of turn-up, and everything else you should probably tell your white friends. Welcome to the Lion's Den. Twitter thing, event going on, a hashtag that was, was HBCU men in suits, and they would tweet, and it was on Instagram too, and they would tweet on Instagram, uh, an HBCU uh, boy in an HBCU um, wearing a suit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I see that a lot of times, like when I look at <coughs> some of my friends from Morehouse, or see some of my friends... Um, in different uh, in different settings, wearing suits and taking pictures of themselves, and I was basically thinking like, one ideas of domestication, right? Like these these clothes look kind of like you know cages and just me being anti everything, right? Um, but also just the idea of um, fashion um, and how, how I guess the three piece suit creates this ideal epitome of class and how we've done that and how we've ascribed kind of like. Um, value uh, by what you're wearing um, and so I, basically the question is like do you think people are look more important or more responsible or would you value someone more depending on their, their, their suit or I think the ability I mean I think more than anything especially like when I look for it or when I look at it is it, how you wear a suit says how what kind of I guess not upbringing, but like how well you've been integrated into that mindset. Because there's people who get like you can buy a suit from JC Penney's or like at the, the store, even Forever Twenty or I'm not Forever Twenty, like from Man be H&M. like Zara, H and M, and like it'll fit away. But like if you if you know what you're doing in a suit and like if you get it tailored, but like it's tailored right and it's not super fashionable, that says a lot about you. And I think the reason that. I personally like suits is because you can tell a lot about a person wearing the exact same garment because they actually have to do something more than buy it. Like you have to wear a suit, you have to request it be tailored. You can pick out like something as subtle as like you picking out a certain texture, like whether you have pinstripes or not, wide lapel, skinny lapel, what kind of color palette you put together. It's the same garment as opposed to like jeans and any combination of tops, shirts, whatever. But like those subtle differences say something about you and especially in a professional environment like i don't take anyone seriously not wearing a fitted suit or not wearing a well-tailored suit you know what's the secret language of clothing right right Mm -hmm. so there's there's a whole secret language associated with clothing like how you that's hmm it's part of the idea i think it relates i think back to privilege in my opinion like when you come up in like a white household and your dad was a white collar guy and like he wore suits he taught you how to do that Mm -hmm. my dad came from a place where like maybe the family had one suit and like all the brothers wore that suit interchangeably right so when like he came to this country whatever he had the one suit and he didn't know what that like what a what the secret like things were and that will affect you at your interviews at your interactions and things like that it's all the secret language of, of clothing but that applies not just to suits but to anything like even hipsters have a secret language of clothing like yeah anyone can wear a flannel shirt but like the, the cats who are really hipster really, really do know how to wear, like, you know, they roll it up a certain way to a certain length and they only buy from certain things and certain materials and shit like that. It's all related to the secret language of clothing. It's universal. It's not just suits. True. So is there a space? Oh, no. What's that? No, in the case of, like, the HBCUs that you mm-hmm. just brought up, I feel like for black people or for black culture, like, there's an entirely different, or even minority culture, there's an entire, entirely different implication of wearing suits that, like, there's the whole respectability politics and like the the black man wearing the suit is somehow better than you know the one sagging his pants you know mm-hmm. so I feel there's like that almost means... animalistic fetish of the black man in the suit yeah. street etiquette comes to my mind 
Um, and so I always feel torn. When I mean, like, they say that like suit is men lingerie, male lingerie, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's a very. That's just because we associate it with success. Right. We associate it with uh, westernization. Yeah, suit used to actually be kind of a counterculture back in like the for like black people way back during like civil rights movement. I don't want to say way back. I mean, even like back. zoot suits, right? Yeah, was like, like um like southern races would be like all oh, these these Negroes are supposed to be wearing like overalls and mm-hmm. casual clothes and stuff they shouldn't know how to dress themselves nicely they said like in the movie Selma they really want to bring out like how African Americans want to wear, wear like very nice suits or like very nice pants or, like just dresses to like show off that it's like they're not like belittling themselves they're like trying to be approved but back then it's kind of like approval by white culture rather than like how it's like present day we kind of have hip hop that whole lifestyle now so it's kind of like we have our own kind of definition of like uh, formalities and stuff mm-hmm. that was kind of bending into their own rules back then. So I was thinking we should get someone to subvert the suit. You know what I'm saying? Like to create an idea of what the next level of the next epitome of class would be. And I was thinking, just trying to wrap my head around like, how, would that be feasible? Is you know, possible? as long as white culture embraces the suit as the epitome of formality, I don't think the suit's going anywhere because it, like said, it's a symbol of success and we want our, our minority uh, people, want our kids wearing suits and, you know, going to biz, or they business want their kids to be successful because right. they want them to be the epitome of success. I almost think that, too, there, there is kind of this counterculture of suit again. I think we talked about this like a year ago or so. Year ago, where like, <laughs> where like you have like you have the basic suit, you know, or you have someone who just wears like suit, tie, shirt, shoes, right? But then you have like Aziz is the perfect example. Like he is kind of like a minority in himself, and like, him wearing formal wear is a statement. Like he is counterculture in his kind of like in how much he is involved or how much like he wears. Formal he things, individuality in his shackles. It's like the right, of the almost right, yeah. and I mean, I think I think that's a very big thing because there was. I went to Georgetown Cupcakes once. I was running an errand, and there was a gentleman in there, and he was just like, suit was cut perfectly, and I could admire, you know, when someone has like a well fucking tailored garment. But he also had like he had a cravat, and then he had a hat, and then he had like he had just like really well polished shoes and he didn't look like he was a businessman at all he might have been i don't know you know but like the way he carried it it was just like he could have gone to i think any party you know that i would go to in jeans or anything else right and he would just he wouldn't look like he was stuffy he would just people would be like damn like you fresh as hell right like and i almost think especially in this age where technology jobs are king and where like you know like you can the most the highest paying jobs say for finance and traditional business you can get our t-shirts graphic tees sweatpants sometimes i think having the suit and saying like i'm gonna wear this especially because it is supposed to cut like it's supposed to be the ideal men's garment like it's supposed to make you look the best that you can as the male figure i think that's almost a counterculture in itself and that might be what keeps it going like you know what i mean you think the world is dressing down like in terms of as it's going hmm. going up, right? Because you're saying I think so. Yeah, is the world dressing down? Wall Street, you can wear like some firms in Wall Street, you can wear not just like not t shirt, but you can just polos come in with jeans. exactly or polos and khakis yeah. or polos and loafers. But it's about like what's being valued at the current time, right? So like I work at a tech company, 
People come in in t-shirts and jeans all the time. And, like, they they are making $500,000 a year. Right. They have multiple, like, they have doctorate degrees and multiple masters. They don't care what they look like anymore because they think they've earned the right where they can do whatever the fuck they want. Especially their skill set speaks for itself. I think that's that's a positive direction to go in. Just because, like, your abilities should not be based on the way you dress. I understand the necessity that people want to present themselves in a positive way or they want to be perceived well. But it has literally nothing to do with ability because you can have someone as smart as... No, you can have somebody as dumb as George Bush in a business suit. You could have Mark Zuckerberg in his t-shirt, jeans, and sweat. Mm-hmm. And the level of intelligence is completely different, but he does not wear a suit. He mm-hmm. will not wear a suit, you know? But I think the further we go away from wearing suits, the more fetishized, if that's a word, suits will, be will become. Agreed. You know? I think, too, that I, I feel as though in... I feel as though this is ideal, more, I guess, prevalent now and kind of like in white culture um, or like sex of white culture where like the anti-suit and like the anti I guess like establishment or corporation like the bad boy or like the surfer like that's mm-hmm. the fetish and I yeah. think maybe that's because there's so much white collar happening in that community you know like mm-hmm. especially like the suburban girl I feel like it's all about like the biker the surfer like the cap- the artist or whatever mm-hmm. whereas in the black community it's all about the businessman the, business the politician man, the, the lawyers and maybe it's just a matter of like what you're used to and like getting away from that like when you're surrounded by corporate you don't want corporate like when your father's corporate your uncle's corporate your father's best friend's corporate you want like the boy that'll take you away on the bike Yeah. but when your father's like blue collar or when everyone around you is not really like ambitious and like no one's wearing suits like you want the man with the suit and maybe that's a suit so to to set yourself apart from someone else or you wear the suit exactly like or you try to place yourself on a pedestal and I think that's some probably where a lot of my attention comes from when I see hashtags like HBCU men in suits and Mm -hmm. stuff like that and I see men like me in suits because I sometimes feel like uh that that pain of someone trying to distance themselves from me, um, and I see the reflections of me often trying trying to dis- distance myself from my I guess cultural group. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's interesting the politics of um, of our clothing in general. Um, and I know obviously clothing makes political statements in just period um, as it is an art form, right? But um, I think it, there's I think there's something to be said about how uh lately i don't know like the whole tailored culture has been something prominent in in my personal i guess demographic i don't know basically what i was wondering um is if the is what we were talking about earlier you know um if the world is dressing down or dressing up um what does that mean you know i thought that was an interesting idea to unpack it means different things for different people i think based on who you are, especially in this country, is like a lot to do with ethnicity straight up, right? Um, African-American males, the excuse that white people will use all the time is like, well, he looks like a thug, mm-hmm. right? He, he looks like, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, it's interesting how respectable, like, Caucasian males can do their thing and go to work in their jeans and their t-shirts and their hoodies, mm-hmm. and it's cool and it's okay and it's accepted, but that would not work or fly for a black male at all like it just would not or like you could business yeah exactly or a black business like you couldn't come like even if it was a tech company and they're like okay we make apps whatever and we're uh, it's a black face they still will have to be dressed if at minimum t what's it called tie 
chinos and a, and a college shirt. It just would not fly at all. And that's the reality of it. It's sad and it's unfair. But like it's really I think you have to dive a little bit deeper than just I don't think that you could take the clothes off of a white man and put them or like the average like normcore, right? Dad jeans and shit like that off of a white male middle class and then put them on black male middle class and that would automatically translate to thug. It might in some sentiments, but I think that there's more I think there's more it's visuals. Always, it's not always thug, it's, it's just, just like the air gives up. Like yeah. they don't care, they're not yeah. professional. Yeah, okay, I can so agree like, with that. Right, like right, right, like right. a white guy in a t shirt, jeans and hoodie versus a black guy in Jordan's some slim jeans and a right in like jeans. I guess the equivalent yeah, the casual equivalent. level. It right, still right, right. would not. It's not equal playing field. It wouldn't work the same for them. Mm-hmm. Like it wouldn't be quote unquote accepted. Whereas for a Caucasian male, then that is accepted. It's okay for Mark Zuckerberg to run his company that way. But for somebody who's doing a startup and they're black, it's not okay to do that. Like they they wouldn't because internally, I feel like it's something that we're like I just I'm not able to do that. It, I wouldn't be perceived well. I think. I understand the sentiment. I don't want to argue the sentiment, but I would want to explore or, like, I guess, look into that, like, the the metrics of that. Because I feel like there, as much as there needs to be endlessly more minorities in, like, tech jobs, I think if you're in a tech job and you're black, you can wear the same thing as anyone who's white and at least, like... In my limited experience, it's true. You can. Like, you can wear... But, like, I can see how that's not true in, like, say, an insurance agency. Yeah. Right? Like, it's, it's different. Like... Tech is this weird anomaly in the, in the sense that, like, you have a lot of people who care, are very results-oriented, and tech has privilege in different ways, right? Mm-hmm. In the sense that, um, so the people I work with, or the people that I've, I've worked with in the past, and the companies I've, I've visited, the, the top people, the ones with the multiple master's degrees and things, they all come from very, very privileged families. Right. So their perspective on the world is sort of like, you know, very, you start from whatever you have, and you can get, go wherever you want. So when someone comes in and say they have like home problems and inability to like, you know, pay for their rent or something like that, they don't understand that and they can't assist you with that sort of thing. Right. So they're not like quote unquote racist like some other companies might be where it's like, well, I mean it's microaggressions, right? That's that's the big It's exactly what it is. It's it's just microaggressions because and it's not even intentional microaggressions because of race, it's because of not understanding the perspective that this person is bringing to the to the office. Right. It, it's the you can't see how the other person sees the world, and that's a really problematic thing. It goes far beyond fashion. Right. In my opinion. So, like, how you how you get someone else to see your perspective, how you like shift those lenses, how you expand that lens in the corporate world is a huge problem, and it's it's going to be a huge problem, especially with like the way we're graduating kids now. Um, in the sense that, you know, you go to college, and this has been my experience in college, even if you go to a really diverse college, everyone sticks with their own group. Yeah. Right? So... Oh, it's crazy. Caribbean, like, Caribbean people yeah. stick with Caribbean people. Black people stick with black people. African people stick with It's African worse people. than high school, because in right? high school, like, it's so kind of small that you had to talk to You have everyone. to fuck with everybody. In a, right. But, but in it, college, you don't have to fuck with anybody you don't want to. Right. Because then you can it find a waste of time and money, because I'm, like, obviously I'm nearing the end of my college career, and I'm just like, fuck, like, I'm graduating with how many... Caucasian friends from college. I mean, right. and it's like I went to this diverse ass school, and it's like at the end of it, you realize the places you could. Have, and it's not saying like I want white friends. I mean, it's not that, but it's just like you realize like this was the experience that was supposed to diversify you, were supposed to expand your horizons. And yes, my my horizons have expanded, but then you're just like I really have a lot. My network is still largely black. I could have gone to it. It gives you pockets to hide in. I had the same conversation in my um. African dashboard literature class and there was this one girl who um, 
she grew up in Baltimore, basically went to basically all black schools for all of her life and decided to come to Maryland because she was like, I wanted a more diverse experience rather than going to an HBCU. And then it was reflecting on her time here. It was like, basically all my friends are black. Like I could have just gone to an HBCU when she thought about it. But I also think it's very difficult to break out of that. Well, it, it is and it isn't, right? So like, I'm from Silver Spring. And Silver Spring's a really diverse place. Like, my six best friends are, like, one's a Zambian, one's from Nigeria, one is, like, is straight Native American, one's from North Carolina. Like, it's a really, like, really just cool group of people. And I got to college and I was able to connect with all these different cultures because of where I had come from, right? Because I knew the Nigerian, ASA wasn't a problem. Because I I really knew the Native American, I was able to connect with the, the other people there. Or even the Filipinos, like, the same idea. So where you're coming from heavily affects how you're going to end up in college. People are sure. people are really scared to branch out from themselves for some reason. I don't think it's. I think scared is, while accurate. Lazy. I think, maybe. I think that's a better word. Like I think it's just loaded with different. Like I don't think anyone's like, oh my god, white people. You know what I yeah, mean? Like it's not that, maybe but... they are, and sometimes <laughs> with reason. But I think mostly it's just the, like, well, I like my friends. Like this is the people, and especially I mean for the stories that I have, it's clear this hasn't happened to me. Although like when I walk into a room. Like, I automatically, ironically, kind of, like, seek out, like, okay, they're black. I would probably connect to them more, even though I'm not. You know what I mean? I think there's a cultural understanding, especially the shit I've heard with, like, women and, like, white girls and black hair and, like, asking about that and, like, all the dumb questions. I feel like, I feel like when you go to maybe, like, a PWI, you find those pockets because there's comfort. It's like, okay, like, we understand each other and there's some kind of background. I don't think it's even laziness. I think that's not giving enough credit. I I do think it airs more on the the side of being scared and even if it's not a conscious scared, it's just an apprehensiveness of like yeah. I don't want to ruffle any feathers, like or maybe like a know, social fear. White girls, like, I don't know if I can the get the fear of rejection maybe. Yeah. Sure. Exactly. Diverse friendships it takes it takes work. I work yes, in the yeah. Michael office. Um, yes. and sometimes I just I, I say I note this jokingly to my friends just that like yo it's so much hard work just getting a, getting a sentence out in here because I'm thinking about all the groups I have to account for in my just my speech alone you know what I'm saying um, things I may say may be sexist it might be um, especially know, the pronoun yeah like him that's her hard. that's, um, that's especially really especially because difficult. this is now something just coming out in like basically the conversation about uh, about gender is finally being something socially acceptable right but things that I would like what do you prefer to be called even, even something even something me simply, simply like calling a black girl queen has actually created cause for contention like oh you fake hotep ass nigga try and call me queen to get in my pants if I, if I would talk to if I accidentally slip up and say Indian um, as opposed to Native American and I think it's just uh to be to make friends, especially in our time where it's so quick to catch someone slipping and put it on the internet and be like, "You a misogynist, I hate you type mm-hmm. shit um it I think it also uh I think like the how much access we have to calling each other out and fact checking each other has created this this world in which we're afraid now to even say anything yeah, we're being called almost dumb. driving a big wedge in between the racial divide almost because we have this group of liberal white people who are technically based on their the the beliefs written on paper should be on our side but they're they're not because it's all these microaggressions and all these the distance they have from minority communities makes them apprehensive and we we feel the hurt from liberal white people even though they're supposed to be on our side Mm -hmm. i see oh go ahead I experienced that with my dance company on campus. We have one white member, and like, if we like, we just 
at least I consciously filter what I say because I don't want to put her in that awkward position like, oh, I can't laugh at that. Oh, I can't react to that because that's not my culture. If I'm like, nigga, what the fuck, blah, blah, blah. Like, she, I don't want to make her uncomfortable because of the way I'm talking. Um, and even with what I say, like, oh, like, even with dance, like, we can't make white jokes about dance. Like, I, if someone's fucking up, I can't say, oh, you dancing like a white girl, da, 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 because there's a white girl on our team, and she pops off. <laughs> so it's like, I have I definitely feel that barrier of, like, trying to integrate. I hate that. Man, <laughs> you know what I love about, right now I have, like, two sides of a job. I have, I say, a blue-collar side and a white-collar side. And because uh, I work in an office for the same company that I also work security for, and man, I miss the blue collar side. Like I love my job that I, like now I have the quote unquote white collar office job, and one I love the paycheck, and two I love like the access and you know like the ability to maneuver. But like th- I love blue collar humor because you can like like no one can, it's all fair game. You have thick yeah. skin. It's just like like. Joan, 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 cut, cut, cut. And everyone is just like, okay, like at the club, we say everyone's racist to everyone. Like, you know what I'm saying? It'd be like, you're racist, yep. To to who are you talking about? You know what I mean? And it's like, even, I mean, and there are, don't get me wrong, there are definitely some moments where some of the white staffers have said some shit they really shouldn't have said, but that's because it was, it was legitimately fucked up. Not on some like, oh, you didn't know any better fucked up, but like, no, you can't say that yeah, ever. You know what I mean? Like, right. right. Like, you can't call, you can't, when you're throwing that black girl, you can't call her nappy. You need to get the fuck. You know, like, yeah. I, like that's, that's the type of shit that's actually fucked up. But when you talk about, like, I've heard, like, you know, like, if you're black, you can go on white people for being white. Like, you dance white. But if you're white, you can go on black people for, like, X, Y, and Z stereotype. And it's just because, like, that's understood. And I, I do understand that that leaves room to fuck up and really get into some sensitive shit. But at the yeah. same time, like, I like it because I've I've heard those people have so many so much more dialogue yeah. than I've ever heard. Like the liberals and like the upper the middle class, like they don't talk to each other. I, I think, and that like kind of going back to what Kosi said, you were saying how in the in in my in the mic office you feel like you have to be sensitive because you don't want to say Indian or you want to say this. But I think the concept of forging those bonds is that you learn what's okay and you learn what's not okay that's real you learn, you know com- you learn how to be comfortable in sounding dumb yeah. and waiting for that's real and being you. wrong this whole society of being politi- politically correct is kind of backfiring and not not giving us the opportunity to learn about each other just right. making us like yeah. get more inside of ourselves like, and that's it's a fear of failure it's a, no, that's it's why I used the word lazy earlier because people don't mm-hmm. because people, people don't are, want to they don't want to do, put in that work true so they'd rather not have Maybe it's from, again, the bias where I'm from, but I've never had trouble making friends from every single culture because I consciously make an effort. I'm like, oh, man, all those Filipinos are lit, all the Vietnamese people are lit, and all the Caribbeans are lit. I'm going to talk to all of them, right? But that's so easy for you as a minority because I can see white people struggling because in minority can't. areas. Because you can yeah. identify, like, people, like, one, you're brown. And also, so, actually, us, because we're, like, we're not... Like, we're Asian, technically. You yes, know what I'm saying? Like, definitely. you're Asian. So you're I, I would say that the ultimate privilege that I have is I can be anything. I'm a oh, ghost. Yeah. Like, there is no, especially where I'm from, there is no, like, Asian stereotype because there's not enough of them. Like, you're either, like, you identify with white people or black people. Period. Well, that's the thing because, like, when you're Asian, you're either white or black in this Right, yeah. yeah, of course. And that, that's our privilege. And, <laughs> yeah. we, and you have to recognize that, that, like, we can yeah. do that so easily. We can go between communities. Like, it's nothing because... And like, like, and, like, I make a conscious effort to do so. And I don't understand people who don't want to put in that work. Because, like, 
all the shit I've learned, like the shit I've learned not to say and to say, I've learned by fucking up and being like, okay, well, you tell get me so about this. No, yeah, and I'm terrified. White people do not get that, and I mean, and it's it's just like one of those things. Like I was just saying, how like a white boy can dress lax and a black guy can't. White people don't get that that space because as soon as that white person that you know says something in the room and, and they get the look. It's like forever. That's going to be associated. Y'all remember that time that Becky said whatever? You know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah. Like, it's, it's like growing up of, like, the racism and, like, you can't be racist, like, if you're black and blah, blah, blah. Like, not to get into that, but, like, that's a thing. You know what I mean? And there's, like, sure. all the shit that's said on Twitter or, like, on social networks or publicly by minorities about race. Like, that can't come back around. Like, that's mm-hmm. just not acceptable the other way. And I guess the question is, like, how because are we acknowledging correct me if i'm wrong we're acknowledging that that's prohibitive and that's actually like setting back progress so how what's fucked up though like like you said about the blue collar jobs like blue collar people ones who don't go to college they don't necessarily always experience this they, they're able to break down and have better dialogue because of blue collar jobs that's because like, they don't give a fuck that's only to give a fuck so why is it the people who are getting educated supposedly in college to open their minds and like reach out and shit why aren't they our education teaches us to be offended our education teaches us to be insulted and to and to respect other people's offense yeah. you know what it is it's actually their ignorance that enlightens them it's, oh, it's the clearly. fact that yeah, it's, it's the fact that they don't care if they're offensive because like okay so yeah. like my father has a really good friend who's in the marines and like he was racist you know what I mean like flat out right but like he said he was like I have black brothers in arms and, like that's my brother Right, but he like at black people in general like does not fuck with them, you know. Like wouldn't lash out or anything, but just like that's not what who he would be with. But like his some of his best friends are like you know like black as black can come. Like as far as like how like they're they're cultured and all that thing. And I think it's that ignorance that allows him like and him saying things and fucking he'd be like yeah like you know after I joined the Marines like I understood that, but it's not just because I wanted to. It's because like I had to respect him because I would die if he didn't. It's you know, a, like if he it's, didn't it's a blue collar sort of mentality, but I want to go back to your point and ask about what do you mean our education teaches us to be offended? Okay, so I went, I'm just going to use an example. So like I went to um, Kevin Hart back in November and there, there was like an opening comedian and he was just so highly inappropriate. <sighs> mm-hmm. And I sat there in, during like the, the show and I'm like, why do I feel so like he's being inappropriate? Like this is just real shit that he's talking about. He was just talking about bitches and titties, titties and blah 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 <laughs> and everything that's running through my head is just like but university of maryland taught me that like street calling is like offensive or whatever whatever yeah. and like it just i feel like being Wait, in school has America. made it has made us so overly sensitive to things Yo, if that makes liberal sense. colleges have this big trend of inclusive languages right now and oh my just God. being like it's not just maryland like all the posters we see yeah. like I, I was like shocked when i got hit that it's like Everywhere. white liberal schools that are but it kind of, yeah like oh like not saying that exam raped me because you don't know like if the person sitting next to you was ever sexually assaulted oh, or like right. not saying yeah. oh that was so ghetto because you know if I grew up in poverty, blah, blah, blah. It's like this whole movement. But it's like, for me, I'm like, the dude was actually saying things that were funny, but like, I felt like, I was like, damn. You I couldn't laugh like, anymore because like, you got a college education? And I'm like, why should Real. I? That, that was my problem. Yeah. It was like, I have a college education, so I should not find this funny, but it was. And so what I'm saying is that like, I feel like education just teaches us to be sensitive and, and like offended at things that like, if you step out of it, it's like, I don't know. It's I, the whole, like, we listen, we all listen to music. As much as we, as a group, consider ourselves to be, like, culture and enlightened, blah, 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 all those face-ass shit, right? But, like, we will listen to a song and sing along with the bitches part, and, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like, any day of the week. 
Mm-hmm. And it, I think it's the same thing. It's just like if you take a step back. Or rather, like, if you're really thinking about it, it's like, yeah. I shouldn't like this because, like, you know, Migos well, or whatever yeah, is saying, yeah, like, yeah. they're saying, and there's a grading. to be dumb. And just right, and this is like, and that's what I'm saying, like, so it teaches <laughs> not to have fun, not to be, like, that's why so people that's like, it really is all about drunk. class, because when you're, like, you're just I? saying that the blue collar <laughs> workers, you know, are the ones that... That just don't give a don't fuck. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're like, some of the funniest shit I've heard in my life was some of the most ignorant, just inappropriate, raunchy shit. That's how he shit, was. Bro. I wish I could tell you like his punchlines, but it was just like like every it was, you could feel it in the room, like in, <laughs> in the in the space. Everybody was just kind of like, "This is really funny," but it's really like I learned about this in whatever class. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like I remember sitting there analyzing. I'm just like. This is fucked up because I want to laugh right now, but like I can't. I can't really. You that's know? why alcohol and weed are such powerful conduits in yes. college, though. <laughs> like, let's be real here. Like with the addition of those two things, lots of barriers tend to break down in parties. Lots of mm-hmm. super fast, and all of a sudden you're friends with the black guy that was down down the hall from right. the freshman year because y'all did some stupid shit drunk together, and y'all said some true dumb stuff to each other. Like, and that's sort of how it goes. That's interesting. Drugs are like the class. Yeah, it, it yeah. Down. Down the so like everybody does drugs. So like, how do you? <laughs> but they don't do drugs together. That's true. Because eventually, once you get out of freshman year so and you're no longer in your mixed dorm anymore, and you all you go spend off into your black friends, yeah, you all the time you spend is with your, you know, your cultural like organization. Yeah. And like, mm. then that goes away as well. So like, how do you solve that problem? I don't know. Because even now, like, if you think about the event we're planning. What, what kind of faces do you think you're going to see? Mostly black. Exactly. And also the way people consume drugs and the way people party kind of differs from race. Yeah, people don't so. smoke backwards, I heard. I do. Which sucks. Because <laughs> I myself love backwards. It's all I'm about backwardist. The gravity bombs backwardism. and pipes. But you know, then I can hip to gravity bombs and motherfuckers <laughs> smoke, it out, smoke out apples, apparently. White folk got apples yeah. to spare and shit. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I go to HBCU, I go to Hampton University, and the only thing that you really be seeing is alcohol and weed. Like, you don't see any Listen, other shit. Listen, the Ethiopians do crack at UMB with like, the white the people. F- I knew it! <laughs> I promise you, I've seen it like 10 times, and I was shocked. Bro, I was nobody like, wants no to acknowledge how prevalent... No shade, no shade. No shade, no shade. But I was shocked, because I was like, you know, like... Like black people be like, nah, I would never do that. Like a college kid, and I went to like a little party, and I was just like the black Ethiopian people with the white boys, just right. like, right. and I was just like, I'm gonna leave. But now. those are the like, like it's just like, um, like Indian people. Like there's ones that identify as black, and ones that are like the white Indians. Like they're they when you're Asian, you go either way, exactly, because you don't have a large community exactly. here to like. Even really if, and when you to. do, and you don't fuck with them, you have to because right. you know their choice. Yeah. Like yeah. for me, like I, I don't like the brown community because they're very insular. I remember you talked. And I, I, I get, I get, they don't like me either because they are very insular, and I'm not, I'm very not. I'm very not. <laughs> so it is what it is. So I had to choose. I'm like, all right, bet. So I could be black today. I could be white today. I could be Vietnamese today. But I can't be brown. So I better choose mm-hmm. something. <laughs> um, and it, yeah. that's just sort of the way it goes. That's interesting that you brought that up. Is because like, especially the party thing, right? Because you know, on a Friday or Saturday night. All of the demographics are partying. But the way it happens, especially I think the the hardest thing to break down is like I think one the taste in music. You think it's the same music, really? Yeah, that's true. White Commons apartment, they're playing Palance, but there's also a lot of EDM. The reason reason why, like, uh, 
I think we have this party culture, and hip hop is the epitome of that party culture right now. That's true. So everybody's right. partying to the same, same music, shit, but we're doing it separately. Like, but it's also, but it's also the thing. I think then even beyond that, it's like connection to the music. It's like whereas at a white party. Like, it'll just be there in the background. Like, you might, like, lip sync a little bit, but you're still playing beer pong or a talk with someone you're drinking. But in the black, like, in a black party, like, everyone is connected to that music in some way. Like, like, even if you're sitting there on the side, like, you still, like, if some shit come on, you can nae-nae too. Like, you could be having a full-on conversation. Getting it. You know what I mean? And it's like, I would have no problem going to, like, a a white people kickback and we're just, like, chilling and talking. But, like, I have friends who are, like, nobody's twerking here. Like, why are we here? Like, let's go. Yeah, even more deeper context into like music for like blacker parties and stuff and like other type of cultural parties because like you have a white party it's like they'll kind of mix up their music because mm-hmm. they'll feel they need like a need for diversity or something but then black parties like it's weird when you go to HBCU you notice these things like they won't play YG at the same type of party that they'll play like just trap shit like they won't play like Migos at the same thing well maybe up here that they'll play like Chief Keep. it's like some niggas just completely hate a particular type of rap music. True, like, even if it like in another yeah. and at another party, that's just considered to be the same shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that's all the same thing. It but gets like more when, nuanced as you get. True, like when you get really yeah, into it, like I hate that Chicago more, shit. Yeah. But like people yeah. forget that like hip hop has different like Second. entire layers and real. Yeah. Yeah. It's like yeah. they think it's all the same thing. Mm-hmm. How do we break that down then? So like if if you can't even like dang if you can't party and drink together, it's like what steps do you take? But it's like on certain levels you can because if you look at music festivals like Trilectro is like pretty diverse. But I think that's because there's this like subset of like especially you know like hipster quote unquote and I hate that term in some senses. I love it. I love it and I hate it right? But like there's at the end of the day like it, it is acknowledged that like pop culture for the most part like revolves around black culture. You know, even if that's not the controlling culture, that's definitely the fueling culture, right? Sure. So, like, in order, I think it's more of a sense of, like, I think Trelectro is, like, tourism, almost. Like, and it, like in a way that, like, there's all these, like, white faces. That, and some of them might be perfectly comfortable and, like, legitimately, genuinely, like, be embedded in it. But I think there's a lot of people who would never, ever venture out or, like, only venture into that because, like, that's who... That's who's that's, that's the community scene. that's really styled. Yeah, yeah the scene, scene is like, the scene is black, period. Like and it might not be majority black, but it's definitely like everything that's pumped into it, like that comes from that culture. You know what I mean? Like no matter what the actual makeup is. The scene has certain undertones that are that are, that are tied to African American culture for sure. I think that's that's what it is. Not necessarily so much overtly black as it was, say from two thousand, two thousand ten. Right? Mm. That's when it was like very much like well, not even that wasn't overtly African American in my opinion. That was like southern like Atlanta that was the scene everybody was wearing like big ass t-shirts and big ass jeans that's right. not black necessarily but that was southern Atlanta's sort of black culture from there now it's more like everybody listens to trap to party everybody listens to trap to party I don't care what party you go to they're gonna play a trap song yeah alright um they might not know who the fuck it is no. they might not know where the fuck play it came trap from clean there you go. Like it'll be just shit like that. I hear that all the time. Like walking between dorms. I hope they play trapping tonight. Shut <laughs> Yeah, DJ. Uh, a party like it's supposed to be a kickback, but it turned into I guess they're trying to turn it into like a beach. Yeah, you DJs are going away apartment party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's like everybody just wanted to hear Fetty Wap the whole time. Where if it's like I was anywhere else, not anywhere else, but if I were in another place, 
they could like be completely tired of Freddie Wilde. If it's like a hipster party, they'd just be like, I don't know, certain type of people. You play some off brand Play like, Sango. I want to some selection. Can you do fucking party to Sango? Like, how do you do that? The is like, play Father. Play that. <laughs> You could play like uh, Dram's Cha Cha. People right. be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I like I this. Like but mm-hmm. you can go to another place, people be like, this is whack, man. Next, uh, next year. Don't worry. Just wait till next like year. That's like at Juve, people really blew me because, like, all the black people, like, I, ha- I told my girl, I was like, listen, there's going to be a lot of different faces here. Like, even if there's three Asians or three white people, you have to play for the people you see. And so he's like playing, like, just, he played like freaking, um, I don't know, like the crash of my car to the bridge or something. And somebody walked up and he's like, "Why is he playing this?" I'm like, "Because the audience is diverse and you can't just play creepy music. Like, right. yes, it's a creepy event, but like if we're welcoming people to our event, we can't exclude their music from it either. You know what I mean? Especially since we are already the majority. That's so. I feel like that's so difficult for people to like understand. I remember man, back in ancient history when I used to go to stamp parties. It used to be like the Baltimore heads, especially the freshmen when they just came in. Like, and they've never listened to Gogo ever. Hated it! They would, like, you know, Gogo would come on and they would just be like, this is the wackest shit ever. They playing Gogo for too long. Like, but but you here. But, like, and then on the flip side, like, the club music, or not really club music anymore, but, like, like that type of shit. Like, shit you could two step to or whatever. Or, yeah, but still, like, Jersey and Philly club, like, that would come on. And then DC heads be like, why the fuck is this playing? Like, this is the wackest shit ever. This is stupid. I can't chat to this. Like, like, why can't you acknowledge that, like, okay, the DJ did, like, he gave you your 15, 20 minutes. And now he's giving them their 15, 20 minutes. And it's got 30 seconds, but it's cool. Retweet. Moving yeah. on. You know, you know that South African jam they played. <laughs> I heard Said no one ever. <laughs> That's true. Okay, fine. I'll take my 30 One of these days, I'll punch Sola. I think on a kind of unrelated note, a couple of days ago, um, my frat brother, we were watching the Noisy Atlanta like oh, documentary yeah, yeah, yeah. right and and it was funny we, we've watched it in here right like we watched it like within the dandelions and we've been like yeah oh that's how they did that like oh that's crazy like oh so so if we did that at maryland like you know blah 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 and like we could finesse and woo woo right and then he was saying that he watched it with our, our frat brothers and it was all like the exact same episode at the exact same location like Oh, they got the bitches. Like, you think he get bitches? <laughs> I don't know if he get bitches. Oh, shit. Like, he to, you know? And it was complete, like, same shit. Same content gets interpreted completely different ways. Mm-hmm. Completely different conversations about different people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even different reactions. Like, I know for CSA at Maryland, like... Like the little mama. <laughs> <laughs> We're not like, speaking of the sausage. One event we'd have... The same event we'd have at Maryland, it would be... Like, if we were to have that exact same event at Howard, like, the reaction we would get would just be so much more heightened. For example, Fall Set. Like, had that shit been at Howard, it would have been fucking lit. I mean, they have one. They have Yard vibes mm-hmm. in the fall. And, but, like, Fall Set, it was, like, it was forced, almost. Like, it, like, it was like we were pulling the vibes out of people. Right. And rather than... People came for the food. But then again, I also... And then they stayed... I also think it was because it was the first time. Because if you think about, like... Fall Fair was essentially, like, Glow Juve without paint and powder. It was an outdoor party. But it was the first time it was done. And so it was a concept that was kind of foreign to people because we don't really have outdoor festivals, parties, or anything on campus. Whereas, like, Day Juve was during the day. It's something that they know, like... So I think, like, the second time it's done, it'll be different. But I think, especially when something is a foreign concept to people, it's gonna be like that. 
Well, that also speaks to the diversity of black culture in and of itself and the difference between like the HBCU black culture mm-hmm. and the PWI black culture. Very true. Agreed. And also because at H, not because, but at HBCUs, I feel like black people are more inclined to just. Well, there's there's it's a two sided coin because it's like yes they do dress very stush they dress like to the nines and at a PWI we as black people feel like we can just sweat pants it out chill but on the converse of that the way we act is the way they dress and the way like in terms of like an event or a party and yeah. then the way that we dress is the way they act at their events. That kind of all ties back into the I was just thinking point. that. The original yeah. conversation the of how... Because you're at a HBCU. Right. The reason they have rules that their students... Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if it's all of them. That their students can't come to class in sweatpants. Yeah. is because they're a black institution. I don't even think it's a rule so much as that's just the lay of the land. It is a rule. It's a rule at Hampton. It's only certain class. Like if you're a five-year MBA, you can't have dreads. You can't wear You can't have dreads. Yeah, that's, no, that's ridiculous. It's respectability. They that's want serious. because it's a black institution, like they don't they want people looking at them. Terrible as respectability, bruh. If if any fucking white school were to ever tell anyone they couldn't have dreads, that shit would get burnt sure, to the ground. <laughs> yeah. like, I don't care if it's like a five person liberal arts school in Connecticut. You'd be like, what? I can't have you racist. You can't tell me. And I just can't. torched. Culture and, you know, the, like, some some of the white people would be like at the front of that line to torture right of you know what I mean like <laughs> what do you mean they can't he's just like I can cut him but like the white people are like no you can't what? tell him he can't no. have dreads yeah. yeah that's crazy but yeah it's, that's real and maybe maybe even like the the ability like at a PWI to like feel like you can wear sweats I mean you can yeah. right it is because like that's kind of the status quo set by most of like the white population is like a lot yeah. of times like you wearing whatever. That's true. But it's also, I think, like, at PWIs, like, going back to the point you made about how people are acting at the, the event, it's like, you don't, like, when I go to Howard for an event, and I'll just, obviously, a Caribbean event, there's, like, black Americans, Africans, whatever, and everybody's just having it up. Like, mm-hmm. it could be the wackest music, it doesn't matter. They're just having it up. But, like, at a PWI, people are very, like, finicky, and they're like, mm, I don't want to do this, whatever, whatever. But I think it kind of goes to how, like, they don't want to act black. They don't want to, like, mm. be stereotype you know what i mean but once they step off the pwi campus they act how they want to be at other institutions you know what i mean so i think that also just it's like people probably don't think about it they probably don't like i wonder if that's because of like and i mean clearly i've never fucking experienced this so i have no clue i wonder if that's part of like because literally like there are white people around whereas like at a black school you're not sure to prove anything to nobody that's what you're getting at yeah that's what i'm getting at is that because you're surrounded by white people like you want to be super you like you want to be on your up. best behavior mm. you know it's like you want to be on your best behavior you don't want to be seen as those loud rowdy blacks right. on the quad or whatever you know what i mean like you just don't want to do it even our cookouts I feel like our cookouts are pretty like tame. lax and tame. they have D and D at Howard. I mean, it's not on yeah, Howard, but, but like that's a near, thing yeah, that they do. We don't do that because I feel like, and the thing is, like I said, like I don't think black people think about it. I don't think they realize it. They don't analyze it. But it's something that is ingrained, whether it's in their subconscious or internalized. Like it's something that people are like, I don't want to act out. I want to act black. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. And that's with anything. Like when the the drunk white girl on the bus says something out out of her neck, your response. You don't want to act stereotypical black you know what I mean but I think it's just definitely something that a lot of black students at PWIs like it's 
in their heads. I can definitely attest. Uh, okay. I can no, definitely uh, attest to that because, like, at Hampton, like people actually it's the other way around. People actually kind of want to act black. Mm-hmm. Like they want to kind of fit in. It's like when they see all these other black people acting how they believe is the natural way to act black. Because we gotta remember, it's like there isn't a way to act like exactly. really black. It's just like. It's just kind of hip hop culture, kind yeah. of. Yeah. It has nuances, like, everything else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then so, it's like, basically, when I came back, and it's like, I was, I came back here for like a little bit, just like visited this campus and stuff. And then I was walking around with uh, Kosi and Ryan. And then, like, there's this white girl who was talking about like her hair or something. I, I was like drunk that day. But it's like, she was talking <laughs> about her hair. So she's <laughs> like, I have this one dread back here. Like, the thing is, that like really pissed me off because whenever white people talk about, red in their hair Something like, like actually yeah I don't like them talk- that's like actually mad in their hair it's like kind of a a backhanded insult to like mm-hmm. actual black dreads like yeah. it's like a, it's a whole thing I can get into yeah. but basically like I really didn't say anything because one I was drunk I didn't have to like actually compose my <laughs> thoughts but it's like but then uh, also it's because like I didn't want to come off as like like that Nigga you didn't like, want to be called that whole type nigga talking yeah. about. Nah, nah. But then the question, man, and that, that's the greatest fucking paradox. I mean, the thing that we've been talking about this entire conversation is she will never learn because no one will say shit to her. But or someone might, but it'll be that one. You know what I'm saying? Like quote unquote, like hotel ass dude. Also, oh, she's girl. a group of white friends. Who right. But like, if she's if she's like if four or five people tell her, maybe yeah. like she's not gonna be like, oh, I'm so sorry. But she might like. I'm not, but you know, I'm not trying to elicit that. So, like, let me not say that shit anymore. It's the problem of what's the point of having a diverse institution if everything's going to be separate anyway? Like, in in the same class that I just talked about, we, we talked about all of this diversity stuff in the same um, African diaspora class. Like, the majority of the class was were black individuals. There were, like, two white guys in it. And we were having some really, really good discussions about race relations, but what does it help if it's all being preached to black and that is my problem. The echo chamber. Like, everybody's like, yeah, like, white people need to stop doing this within, like, the black community, the black community and not telling white people that white but people But I think need that also goes to the university standpoint because, like, the same way they have UNIV courses and whatever that are required, there should be mandatory real life diversity courses that all students should have to take. But, and obviously, it can't be based on race necessarily because that's difficult, but, like, they do try because that's the inclusive Jen-Ed language has the, thing. Ed has the um, di- diversity, understanding plural culture, plural culture. That just sounds dry. That but sounds the thing is the, so dry. No, but the thing is, the options they have, like the class I took, the African diaspora literature, was one of the under, um, understanding plural societies courses that I elected for. But the thing is, the only people who elected to take those were black people. And that's what I'm saying. So it shouldn't if be black an literature, yeah, if black literature was just taught in American literature, then it wouldn't be that yeah. problem, you know what I mean? And then also, it's like, it's. I just feel like there should be a dialogues course, as, and it should be mandatory, and it should be a blend, like, of every incoming freshman class, that mm. you have to take this course, and the individual teaching that course has to cover all these topics. Today, we're going to talk about the Holocaust. What are your thoughts? Like, because I feel like there are no courses where, like, students are forced to, one, have those conversations with each other face on, front on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it's almost like like Maryland's like false advertising. Like you call your school a diverse it. university, but you're not doing anything to diversify the black, the white, the green, the yellow, the purple. At this point, we're really there. we're we're not we're like not separate, but we're still unequal. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. like there was the separate but equal. I, I think you got, everyone's very separate. I, I think yeah. on a college campus, everyone's very separate. Um, but I think also the fundamental problem is 
there's two ways that people tend to approach teaching other cultures, right? And the two ways are both wrong. One is smacking people in the face with truth. It yeah. never works, yeah. right? It, it actually, like, it repugnates them. It makes right. them, it makes them like, even further. Yeah. The other way is through boring-ass classes, Fair. Yeah. right? <laughs> both those ways are wrong. One, you put the person to sleep. The other one, you ensure that they're never, ever going to talk to a black person again. Mm-hmm. Right. All right? So the only way, or not the only way, the only way that I've found to be effective is through actual interaction. Yeah. Like, whether that's playing basketball, whether that's, like, for Spanish people, for me, it was, I didn't understand Salvadorian culture until I played soccer with the Salvadorians. <laughs> like, I didn't get it until, like, I was with them there. And you want to find that one commonality and kind of, yeah. like, latch to it and just, like, let everything else fall, fall, in fall into place. Yeah. And it's so hard to do that, like, naturally and organically. And, because, like, if you said something to that girl about the dreads thing... I guarantee you, she's never bringing up dreads again in her life. Yep. And, like, she hasn't learned shit except that that shit scared me. Except yeah. don't see it around black <laughs> Oh, my yeah. gosh. I have Real. to tell you guys a story. I learned, I had to learn a really tough lesson. So, this was, so I'm doing McNair this summer. I'll never forget because I was doing the McNair program when it happened. And we're in... What's McNair? Sorry. Okay, so the McNair program, it's a, um, <laughs> it's a summer research program geared at getting minorities to have PhDs. So, people that look like us. So, anyways, um, we were in the diner. And it was like National AIDS Day or whatever, or it was some some awareness about sex. Anyways, and this this Caucasian girl, she was an athlete. There was some like condom filled with some sort of fluid that she and her friends are playing with. And I'm sitting there with like my minority PhD wannabes watching in the diner, and I'm watching them play with it. And I'm like, all right, when they get up, they're gonna throw it away. No. So what she did was she took the little fluid filled condom, and obviously it was some it was like a fake substance, whatever. Right. But she draped it on the back of a seat. And one of my friends who works in the diner, like, he's not a student, he's an immigrant, like, from Haiti, comes and goes to pick it up. And as she and her friends were walking out the diner, I went and I snatched her ass up. And I was like, you can go pick that shit up, you dirty-ass bitch. That's not his fucking job. Like, I cursed her out, right? And I was so livid and so upset because I, I was a hothead. I'm like a was. minimal hothead now, right? No, this was, you didn't know me then, right. it was really bad. And there's another black girl in my program who went, walked up to the girl and she was like, yeah, I just wanted to apologize for my friend's behavior. And I was like, don't apologize for shit. Why are you apologizing for me? Whatever. So we dialogued later. And she was like, Mandy, all that girl is ever going to remember is the angry black girl. Your message was right. Like, it's not anybody's job to do that. It was dirty. He doesn't know that it was a, like a, a fake condom, whatever. But like, it was the delivery. But even still, like, if that's okay. So I'm... Without like diving too much into stereotypes, stereotypes are based in truth. I feel that there tends to be, questionably, more emotion that is like acceptable in Black culture than in general like white suburban culture, right? Especially like white collar culture. So really, what she what that says is that you should suppress because I'm sure that in your family slash in everything that you've known via New York via South Carolina, that is how like when you talk to someone you upset. You show you're upset. Mm-hmm. Why do you have to suppress, suppress that? that? I, I don't know if that's necessarily what she was saying so much as, like, you can show, like, you're upset. But, like, I like I was cursing at her. I was calling out her name. And if you did that, but if it was a... If you it don't was have to a, suppress it, but if you want your message to get across, you have to... The message is the medium, right? The yeah. medium is the message. You don't... It's more you don't, important. You're, you, it's more important for her to I learn. Feel. But you can't ignore the race aspect in the sense that you are going to be stereotyped as the angry black No, of course, of course, regardless. But I just think that... Because, like, one, approaching her, I'm going to be seen as angry. 
But I think the fact that I was angry. But like, it's not, like that comes. My point it, is it, like that comes from somewhere, right? The, like the angry black woman cliche. Like, like even if it, I my my thing is that like that's not a negative. Like you know no. that's something that like there are humans are great statisticians. There is a trend that like in general you know like a certain group acts a certain way more than another group. And then like if that's the base, like if in general like let's say let's say like this it's that black women are just like show extreme emotions more than other groups tend to mm-hmm. like by culture right mm-hmm. if that's what it is why should that be suppressed but if, why is that the next because like, if, she, if you don't show that but if you don't show that like if that's not i mean and i understand i'm just playing devil's advocate yeah. to sure. be honest but it's like that will you know really the message there is like that is not acceptable to do so like you always have to suppress that because she will never be exposed to that and she will never understand that like that's just what happens accessibility. like why should you have to submit to your why, why shouldn't you be able to express your own stereotype the way that you right like, yeah and i mean one the whole problem with racism is also it puts the impetus on the person being oppressed to also put in all the other work into getting the oppressor to realize right. how fucked up it is yeah so there's this level of there's this you know degree of uh just like how tired you one can get you know what i'm saying it's not only you are being pushed down but you are also trying to extend right. a hand yeah. and uh connect a bridge while being pushed down and then being told you're lazy you can only be on for enough. so long you i know think what there's I'm also time sure. and place for everything like there's like in that moment i if i had a pro- like i think about this yeah like i think about this more than like a lot of people want to <laughs> i really think about the situation a lot like i remember one time i was like damn and then other days, I'm like, no, fuck that. Because sometimes I'm like, all right, if I had approached her on some chill shit, she would have been like, yo, whatever. Right, like, she might you know not have. Mean? like, even, like, homegirl was shook. Like, right. she was, like, trying to, like, walk away with her. Like, I think she played, like, field hockey. And she was just like, I don't think she expected it. But, like, I don't know. I felt like she got the message. I feel like she right. was like, damn. Like, she picked up the Like, she might have had, she might have had, like, a stereotype walk away from it. But, I mean, I think at the end of the day, like the general message I guess is just like man we don't have a fucking answer right because like she did what she was I supposed to do def- yeah exactly and she might not have done that if you were nice and polite like yeah, she exactly. might have been like, like no, get on my face yeah, I, I exactly. think I think it's circumstantial and I think there's also yeah. hmm you keep bringing up the idea of suppressing your true character in order to get a message across and my like it's not even to get a message but it's like it's so much I mean to echo what Kosi said I feel like it's more so like like it's just tiring like, sure, you know, like not even to, not even to make a point, but just yeah. like damn, like there's so many things so many that things you have, have to, to do. do. Right, and I understand that completely. But I think the point that I'm making, or that the point that the other point to be made about not smacking people in the face with truth, is is that if you want someone to get something, you want to build a lasting relationship with them. That is not the type of person you want to build a lasting relationship with. Go ahead, smack her in the face. Who cares? But like. You know, you're fucking with somebody, like, they're on they're on your floor, freshman year, you're trying to become actual friends with them. Mm-hmm. If the first thing you do is that reaction, like, and that person lives next to you, they're never going to fuck with you again. True. And that, that is very factual, because my freshman year, I had a couple of those, too. Like, there was a white girl who didn't wash her hands on the floor who had a staff infection. I had to tell her then, too. I mean that's Ooh, different. That's how that's... you do what you need to do. But like, <laughs> but like, nah, you see what I'm saying though. Like, it's right. different. It's like that's clearly not someone that I want. That anyone wants to be friends with. Fuck her. Like, right. yell at yell at her as much as you want. But like, homegirl next to you who makes like a bad comment and like lives down the hall. If the first thing you do is you yell at her, you've lost her. That's true. And I mean, I completely 
Like, I agree it's with that sentence. It's, like, it's effectiveness. Lose, it's and like, you also what? lose the chance to teach future lessons is the thing. Because once you yell at that person, you scream on them, you slap them in the face with the truth, you lose the chance. Like, there's going to be other fuck-ups. There's going to be other lessons to be taught. Maybe it's not your white and privilege. You can't just mm-hmm. leave that condom there. But maybe it might be something else. Like, I don't fucking know. But... Yeah. It's Maybe like, it's a lesson about hair. But there about are hair, some there are you know? some moments where someone does need, need to be own like yeah. There's some point no, like someone some needs to get, get them a Brooklyn slap of truth. That that con the con the condom <laughs> one is a perfect <laughs> example. Like falcon punch. you need you need yeah. Eventually you need to get falcon punch. <laughs> I think that I mean the under the overarching theme is there's kind of like two different ways of approaching it. Probably infinitely more right. And the one of it is like being true to self and like at the end of the day like. If you never expose someone to something and you always shelter them for sake of, you know, like going to their level, they will never experience it. The other hand, and then uh, like with that comes kind of like the mentality of like you keep trying to reach up and getting your hand smacked and it's like tiring. Right. But then on the other hand, it's like, is it the responsibility of the privileged to see their privilege or is it like if they're it if, if they're comfortable? Like why? And that's the but that's the thing. I don't think that a lot of people honestly I don't think that's see realistic. that. Realistic. Right. Like if you're okay, if you're if you're in a position where like maybe not you're a you're a policymaker and you're not overtly racist, but like you all you've known is white middle class or white upper class your entire life. Why is it your responsibility? And I'm not even talking ethics. I'm talking just like practically. Why is it your responsibility if you're overseeing like, you know, the state of Maryland to care about Baltimore? Because it's about being conscious. Like, but it, but who said who said that you have right? an obligation as to be black, conscious? As black people, if we recognize the fact that we're oppressed, why the fuck can't white people recognize that they're? Because we, it's not us recognizing that we're oppressed. We know it. That, that's it's what I'm internalized. saying. Internalized. It's not. But, anyway. but, like, but that's not the response. I don't think. I think a better fire. example than than the, the, the state because the policy is easy, easy to <laughs> Like you shouldn't be a, po- yeah. a politician. True, true. Okay. I think create. I think a creative outlet is a better policy because we've talked about this before too. Like with with girls, Lena Dunham. Okay, she went under fire a lot for not including black people in her show in the first few seasons. Or not not even just black people, just diverse people. But this is. Uh, a white girl who's always grown up, grown up around white people. So why is it that when she makes stories creatively about based on her life, why shouldn't the entire cast be white? Because that's what, what she she's grown up accurate. around. Because if I was were to make a story about my life, you know, it would mostly be black because that's what I grew up. But not because around. you're trying to make a yeah, point. Yeah, but not because I'm trying to make a point. Just right. because think... that's how it is, and I think that's the problem that we're running into today. Just I. Separation. I definitely think it's not the responsibility of the, the person who holds the privilege to recognize the privilege. I think it's the responsibility of the person that that privilege affects negatively or for whatever to inform them of that. Because when you think about it realistically, somebody who holds privilege and power is not going to acknowledge... They can do whatever they want because they have the They power. have no yeah. obligation to do that. informed, if that person doesn't acknowledge it, then it's just... you got to force the hand. So yeah. that's, that's what... That's, that's why it's our responsibility yeah. Yeah. and not theirs. Because you, the concept of privilege and power is that you do not... Have the responsibility. That's what power is. Like, privilege is you do what you want because X, Y, and Z. Privilege and power, you do not have to. So, therefore, the responsibility is not going to lie with those people. The responsibility is going to lie with the people who it affects negatively. And it, because it always falls more on the people who are at the bottom end because it's, it's like it's like driving on the road. If you have a big truck, 
you, of course you know you're supposed to look out for people but, but if you, you if you don't see a motorcycle you know the motorcycle is the one that gets gets hurt in this accident exactly. that's a perfect that's analogy a motorcycle analogy. in biker culture it's like, always like your your safety drive. is no one's responsibility but, but your, your own, own. Yeah. like you shouldn't trust any car to check their blind spot you shouldn't like be more visible no you just need to know at all times that like that car is coming here I need to get out the way and the like, other one thing of the is best like, analogies though that I heard about like these relations is like say you're left handed and you immediately realize the world's just not made for left-handed people it's made for right-handed people it's like right-handed people will never notice that shit no. because it's like when you're damn you when all right the desks, i hate those desks yeah. 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 for me to take you tests. sit down right at desk when you're left-handed you like lean it off the side and shit it's like you sit down you're right-handed you don't think about it and, so you're right and, and assume everybody else you know right handed. Handed. and the thing is the thing about it is that like you have to think that about was this the privilege is not hurt in the person who has it so why would they ever have to acknowledge it yeah. It's like it's not affecting me negatively. It's working in my favor. So why do I need to acknowledge that I have it? That's why people. But, that's why white people don't understand. Like, why? Why do you mean you have to straighten your hair? Or what do you mean you have to dress up? Like, ex- they because don't they get it. they don't yeah. get it. So it's the responsibility of the person who does not hold it to bring attention to it, to bring light to it.